And welcome in to another edition of the UNBC Ryan Odom Basketball Report. And it's been a long time. Coach, I feel like we were disconnected uh, here. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for thanks yeah. for coming back. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. And we uh, and you've been traveling, yeah. winning games, uh, dropped a couple, had, yeah. had a holiday in there. So let's kind of pick it up where we left off. I think we were before the Manhattan game, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Let's kind of go back to the Manhattan game for just a second, kind of recap that, go through the games, through the trip to Bimini, and see where we are right now. Yeah, certainly the Manhattan game, uh, you know, was a good one for UMBC. I thought, you know, our guys, you know, followed our game plan, you know, to a T. Uh, I was really worried about that game, you know, going in. Uh, they really pressure you with their defense. Uh, you know, they have a zone defense that they play that's a little bit unorthodox and really has been really good for them over the years and will be for them this year as well. And, uh, you know, our guys did an excellent job in that game, uh, guards, big guys of, of just sharing the basketball, uh, you know, playing on balance. And, you know, we were able to come away with a, a, a really good win for us early in the season. And uh, so I was proud, proud of the way the guys played and competed. And, you know, the second game here on the, of the season uh, in the event center, and, uh, and that led us into, you know, the Bahamas trip, which right. was a blast. So talk a little bit about that, because not only did you win the tournament, 2-1 and one on the tournament, but you also had an opportunity and the players had an opportunity to enjoy the weather and all the sights that were there to see. Yeah, no question. I mean, what a beautiful place, you know, Bimini is. Uh, and, the, and the folks there, the people at the hotel, not only at the hotel, but... Uh, in in the town are just so welcoming and nice and and our guys really did have a great cultural experience and uh, that's why you do these trips you know certainly you do it for the games and and the competition and seeing some teams from places that you wouldn't typically play and uh, that certainly was great for us uh, starting out with Air Force you know to be put in that situation where we're playing a double overtime exactly. game with a young team uh, and and finding a way to, to kind of grit it out and, and come out with a victory was, was a good way to start the tournament. Uh, and then, uh, you know, following up the next night against a solid high point team who's gone on and, and won some games since the Bahamas, uh, you know, to face, you know, a coach in Tubby Smith who's, you know, national one national champion. champion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, little known fact, he told me he was the coach of UMBC for five days. <laughs> Is that really right? Okay. He was. Wow, I'll have to find out that story. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But uh, he was actually an assistant at, at uh, South Carolina at the time. Obviously, he grew up right around the corner here. Right. So special coach, special man, and great family. He's got his son working for him there at, at High Point. And that was one of our better games. You know, our defense was pretty strong. Uh, offensively, we were able to, to, to play pretty well that night. We shot it decent, and uh, I was pleased with that effort. Then we, we had a day in between high points. So we were 2-0, had a day in between high point and when we played South Dakota. And we took the, the players and the families on a, uh, an excursion. We went out uh, on a boat, snorkeling excursion, and did three different stops. Went to a reef and, and snorkeled around and saw some amazing things. And then went out and uh, we actually swam with reef sharks. Mm which was, you know, frightening and exhilarating all in the same. All the same thing. Yeah, that was pretty neat. And, uh, and then we went and swam through this kind of abandoned, uh, you know, shipwreck, you know, that had been there for the better part of 30, you know, 60-plus years. And, uh, you know, it was, it was capsized during a hurricane, and it's been there ever since. And, and uh, you know, it's a landmark now that people enjoy 
and uh, KJ actually got up on top and jumped <laughs> off. So they were jumping wow. off the boat, you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but it was a lot of fun. And then the game against South Dakota, and that, that was a tough game. I think 58-52 was the final. Yeah. That broke a four-game winning streak. That did. And then you guys come back home to a, what was a great basketball game against American University, yeah. and I want to talk about that a little bit. We'll, we'll pick it up with about 16 and a half minutes left in the sure. game. It was a tight game all the way through, but you guys kind of distanced yourselves and had a 10-point lead. Yeah. It was 40-30. to 30. So take us down the stretch what happened for the rest of that game. Yeah, I think uh, the long and short of it is that, that American answered, and, you know, that's what really good teams do. Uh, you're not, we're, we're not in a situation right now. We have a very small margin for winning and losing, and, uh, you know, for us in that particular moment, they made some really good plays. You know, Max Curran dunks the ball down here, right. uh, gets the and one, and, and actually didn't convert on the free throw, and they came right back down. And we switched the screen like we wanted to switch it. And, you know, it ended up being a blocking call, which was the right call at the time. And, you know, the kid who got dunked on down here got an and one down there. And so that gave them life. And, uh, you know, we made a turnover, you know, which, you know, obviously was not, not what we needed at the time. The execution wasn't quite where it needed to be. And uh, then they closed the gap even further. And, you know, I think one of the key things in that particular game was that their experience uh, at guard. I mean, uh, you know, the, the kid Zero is an excellent player. Yeah, Nelson. Uh, yeah, Nelson, preseason player of the year mm -hmm. uh, in their conference. And he had a, you know, not a typical first half, you know, for them, which was why we were able to get a little bit of a lead there in the first half and got off to a good start in the second half. And he really began to play, and he began to sniff out how we were playing him. And, you know, to their credit, they made some threes, and uh, that was the difference in the game. Yeah. Had we guarded the three-point line better than we did, you know, at the end there, you know, we would have had a chance to win. But, you know, you live and learn, and those are the kind of games that you want to be in. We've won a double overtime game, and now, you know, we've lost a really close one there at the buzzer, basically. And uh, that's, that's, that's college basketball. Take us through the last 15 or 20 seconds of the game specifically. They had a two-point lead. You guys yeah. got the rebound. You didn't call a timeout. Yeah. And Max goes down and scores there. Yeah. So take us through that. And then on the defensive end, they didn't call a timeout either. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's your, a lot of coaches will lean towards that. Right. I mean, you, you prepare and practice for situations like that. And a lot of times if you're calling a timeout, you can kind of – you know, defensively strategize a little bit better. You know, you're giving the opposing coach an advantage there, one would think, because you're five against four. You've got to take it out of bounds. You know, there's a guy out of bounds who can't score, right? right. So you're five against four getting it in. And so sometimes coach, coaches don't want to risk that. And, you know, we, we have, obviously that was a transition play for us. We put the ball in the basket, and we get back on defense. I'm, I'm encouraging Arkell to come over and double because I felt like zero would get all – we were tied at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like, you know, zero would probably get to the basket if we didn't. He had been doing it, mm -hmm. you know, throughout the game. Arkell comes over, and the kid makes an unbelievable pass. You go back and look at it. Beautiful. I mean, it's like he had eyes in the back of his mm -hmm. head. He flipped it all the way across the court in a full sprint. And credit, you know, the kid from American, Sam, he ends up, you know, stepping right into a three, and, and we didn't get, didn't get there quite quick enough, right. you know, to really put some pressure on him to, to make him miss. And uh, 
That's the breaks of the game. 73-69 was the final. A quick thought here. You've, you're going to Northern Kentucky yeah. to play the Norris. Great game back here last yeah. year, 76-75. They can shoot the three. They can penetrate. They go to the free throw line. They're a very difficult team to defend. Yeah, no question. I mean, they, they have one of the best big guys at the mid-major level yep. in, in all of college basketball. Really good player in McDonald. Uh, we struggled with him here last year. Uh, we guarded him just well enough in order to win the game. He's gotten off to a fiery start. He's averaging 19-plus a game. Mm -hmm. He's obviously not the only player that they have, but everything kind of goes through him. So we're really going to have to deal with that. We talked a lot about, you know, prior to the American game, we had two games in a row where they had an excellent big guy. Gasparini was a great player here, too, and he made some key baskets for American uh, in our gym to help, help them get back in the game. And, you know, we're going to have to do a really good job on the road. You know, they're going to be excited, looking for revenge, you know, against Absolutely. us. And we, they had a shot to actually win the game uh, against us here uh, in the rack. And they're 6-1, and one, so yeah. they, they only have the one defeat against Central Florida. All right, so UMBC is 4-3 and three on the season as we speak, as they go to Northern Kentucky. We'll take a time out here. When we come back, Coach and I will actually be with another head coach at UMBC. The soccer man, Pete Karinji, will join us when we return. Yes. Back at you from the UMBC Event Center. It is the UMBC Ryan Odom Basketball Report. But segment two, we're joined by a very special guest, head soccer coach at UMBC, men's soccer, Pete Karinji, joining us, just finishing up his 28th season at UMBC. Can you believe that? Uh, I can believe it, yes. And uh, it, was, it was a great year, but uh, it's been a long time, that's for sure. Yeah, 28 years. And, Coach, when you uh, come across a guy like uh, Pete, who's been at a place for 28 years, this is your third year here, what do you think about that longevity? Well, it's special. I mean, UMBC is obviously lucky to have, you know, a coach like Coach Karenji here and, and to have him here for so long. This is home for him, right? right. Yeah, yeah. It's a special place, but it's special because of people like him. Right. Let's talk about this past season. Uh, this was uh, a great run to the America East Conference Championship game, somewhat unexpected, a lot of injuries for your club during the year. What were your expectations coming into the season? Well, I had high expectations coming in, but at the beginning of the year, we had a lot of injuries. Key players, guys who you really depend on. You know, one of your better players, John Bell, injures himself in the second scrimmage. You think it's going to be a really long year. Um, but I was really amazed at how well um, we came through it all. And at the end, we were playing our best soccer, which you always hope any, in any sport you want to be playing your best soccer at the end of the year or your best sport, your, your best ball. And uh, for us, it was really uh, it was just a great run. It just physically and mentally retired because those five games were all on the road. And in the America East, it's not a close proximity to the right, games. Right, you got to travel. So the travel, I think, really took its toll at the, at the last game. Mm -hmm. So was it disappointing for you to fall in the championship game? I, I'm sure it is right that moment, but... I think very disappointing, especially the yeah. way we lost. Uh, we were, uh, you know, we went out and played against the win, against a really good UNH team, and got scored on right away. And it's like the worst thing could have happened. Uh, gave up two quick goals, goals that we never would have given up earlier in the year or, or during the season. And it just, from that point on, it just snowballed. Um, so I think we were all really disappointed with the result. But I think, as I told the players, once we got home and took a couple days, got away from it, um, it was a very satisfying season that we got to the finals mm -hmm. and, and lost to a really good team, that, a team that was nationally ranked all year, and uh, overcame a lot of adversity during the season with injuries. And, you know, when I look back on it, you win 10 games in a league that's really, really good. 
um, and get to the finals, it's not a bad year. Yeah. It's a good group returning, so yeah. not to look forward to. Ryan, I, I want you to take over, yeah. actually, for kind of a second here and just talk a little bit about, like, when you come to a university yeah. and you got a guy here that's been here for 28 years and, you know, all the coaches from sure. all the different sports. Like, how do you interact? Like, do you talk about coaching philosophies? How, how do you guys do it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the key things. You all, whenever, whenever you have someone and you're entering a new situation, a new university, there, there's a way that things are done. And you know, when you have somebody that's been here as long as Coach has, he's seen the changes, he's seen the good, the bad, he knows it all, you know, in terms of what goes on here. And, you know, I think, you know, we'd be crazy, you know, not to, to reach out and, and to one another and try to, try to learn, and certainly more me than him. Like, he's, he, he's been there, done that. He's won a ton of championships mm -hmm. and coached a lot of great players, his son being one of them, mm -hmm. which right. is a unique experience, which I'd, I'd like to ask you about in a second. But, you know, um, you know I think it's, 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 been a, it's been a great transition for me, and a lot of that is due to the fact that we have coaches like Coach Karenji and others here. Uh, Coach Stern as well has been here a number of years, has been a great resource for me. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Tim Hall, who leads us, you right. know, on a daily basis. Right. But tell me, I, what's your affinity for Slurpees? Why do you like Slurpees? <laughs> it's uh, I just all coaches are superstitious. Um, yeah. We This year was the greatest. I mean, I stayed away. I didn't have a Slurpee all year. I did have a Slurpee before they went and played Virginia. I bought them all. <laughs> I bought all the coaches. That's Slurpee what I wanted you to get to. <laughs> and I really believe we were going to beat Virginia. I got it on tape somewhere. Yeah. And... Uh, we, they all had Slurpees, and actually texted down there and called down. I was in Houston, and everybody's talking about UMBC, and I'm, man, we got to get them a Slurpee for the next game. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> get it. But just a little luck. I mean, we, we, Petey was drinking Slurpees the night before games, scoring goals. We won championships. And this year, I stayed away from it the whole, from January 1st. Um, and then I said, well, you know, we're losing and winning, and I went and got one, and we went like on an eight out of nine, got to the finals. So I've drank Slurpees one every day, every unfortunately. Day, right? My doctor's unhappy, but. That's what it is. Yeah, whatever so, uh, takes to win games. Whatever takes to win games. I mean, we need a sponsorship, 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven should sponsor us because, uh, yeah, it, it's just a superstitious thing, and you, you start winning, and uh, you're not going to change, that's for sure. Right. So what's it like, you know, now you've, you've coached your son, and now mm -hmm. he's working for you as a coach's son. You know, what's that like? I think it's fantastic. I mean, he's, uh, he's a great guy for the players to be around because he's a great influence. He's done it as a player. He's done it as a student athlete. He went and played professionally. Um, probably should still be playing, but mm. he came back to get his degree because he understood. Uh, I preached a long time to him about the importance of getting a degree um, rather than just playing professionally. And, and because uh, eventually all those guys want to come back and, and get involved in coaching. So uh, he does a great job. He, he was basically brought up here at UMBC. I mean, walking around the halls like yeah. you were with your dad. Yeah. And. Um, you know, I, I just think it's a great experience as a father to see him evolve both as a player and as a person and as a coach, and he handles himself really well. And, uh, you know, he doesn't, it's not, our relationship a lot of times is father-son when we're away from here, but a lot of times it's a coach, assistant coach when we're here um, and talking about the game. Or he, and that's what it was as a player and coach. I think when I coached him, we basically tried to get away yeah. at times just to talk about home because he lived here. Mm. Um, but then other times it was basically you have to perform. And to go back to the first year where he was like one of our best players, and I didn't start him for like five games, and some of the best players came up to me and said, you What are you put, doing, Coach? You're trying to lose. <laughs> you got to play him. You got to play him. And I was That's like, great. Well, I didn't want to start him because 
no, no, we just he's got to play, and from that point on, he, he played. Right. You know, if I could ask, and people who are maybe just becoming familiar with Coach, um, you won a national championship as a player back in the yeah. 1970s yeah. For, the, for the University of Baltimore. Dick Adele was your head coach, by the yes. way, which I'm sure you know. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder, although you didn't win the national championship in 2014, you got awfully close, making it to the Final Four NCAAs. Was it, was it comparable at all, the, the ride, from your maturity standpoint as a player, winning it, as opposed to a coach? getting to that final four um i think it was a lot different as a player we really um expected we had got to the final four my freshman year they had got to the final four the year before we we i was obsessed with winning a national championship as a player and and did everything i could um to, to win it and so i expected that we went into the season the final four team we dreamt that the year before right and we worked hard for it but to get there was each each game became another Part of the dream and the journey so i would say looking back on it, it was an unbelievable accomplishment but you're not expecting it as mm -hmm. much as a player and as a player you can yeah. go out and do something about it on the you're on the sideline as a coach and you know, yeah the right players the did, did you guys talk because you have similar experiences you won a monumental game in the ncaa tournament something that no one literally has ever done before you made a ride a run that no one thought could happen did you guys exchange feelings or stories on that absolutely after the fact you mm -hmm. know we did i mean right in the midst of it it was a little bit hard because you know we were getting ready for kansas state so i kind of had to turn my phone sure. off but we definitely have, have talked at length i think you know, i since. think when you're uh, you're going through it you you're welcoming all the people getting a hold of you but like you're you're really focused in on your team and and making sure they're doing the little things because you can really get caught off guard with with everyone wanting to, to get involved and He's done a phenomenal job here since the day he walked in, and uh, I'm a big basketball fan, so mm -hmm. I, I've watched through my 28 years, and um, he's just he's done what he's done for the school is amazing, and uh, he's going to continue to continue to do it. That's I for sure. I think you're right. I got one more question for you, and it's really a joke, but <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna ask it anyway. So, how does it feel to be the second most famous, all right, person in our athletic department <laughs> now? To our Twitter guide, <laughs> that's a great. I know, and I know, and I know where you got that question from. Um, I'm, I'm very impressed with Zach. And he is what I just that. heard is that Zach's doing a speech in New York. Is he next Wednesday? A 40 minute speech. Oh so I was God. hoping me, you, and Nate could ride up and, and, and be part of like and, from the Raptors. and be part of the 10 people in attendance. <laughs> oh. Coach, listen, we're we're gonna give you a couple days off. Okay, and then we want you right back at it for next year. Okay, right. I appreciate it. All Thank right. you. Thank Good you. luck, right, guys. Coach. Good luck. Thanks, Coach Karinji, <laughs> Coach Odom. We'll take a time out here. When we return, my broadcast partner John Feinstein will join us, and we'll uh, we'll wrap up the show with some college basketball talk on the UMBC Ryan Odom Basketball Report. And welcome back to the show, Gary Stein, along with UMBC head men's mm -hmm. basketball coach Ryan Odom, and now joined by John Feinstein, my color partner on the UMBC broadcast, New York Times best-selling author. John, how are you? I'm well, Gary. Coach Odom, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for joining us again, John. Hey, John. Always my pleasure. Although, Gary, I got to tell you, yes, sir. Before we start, that Friday I call Ryan uh, to talk about the then upcoming American game. And he gets on the phone, and the first thing he says is, Duke goes down. <laughs> I wasn't happy about that, was I? Old, old, old angry, old bitterness does not go away, even when you get old. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they gave us some uh, sleepless nights, you know, when Dad was coaching at, at Wake. 
Yeah, but, but your dad had a pretty nice run against him. He beat him nine in a row at one point. He did. He did. He had a guy named Tim Duncan. Did I ever Duncan, tell you the story so, about yeah, Arnold Palmer? What's that? Did I ever tell you my Arnold Palmer story? No, you did not. First time I went to meet Arnold Palmer, 1994, I was working on a good walk spoiled, and I went to his house in Orlando, and I had set up the interview through his longtime uh, right-hand man, Doc Giffen, and, and I, Doc had said to me, can you come to Arnold's house on Sunday morning for breakfast? Oh, boy, I know now, where this story is I had going. made plans because mm -hmm. the NCAA regionals were going on in St. Petersburg to drive over there and see Krzyzewski that morning because I needed an early column for the Washington Post. And, but when he said, you know, can you come to Arnold's house? in Orlando on Sunday morning, of course I said yes. So I called Shevsky and I said, I'm blowing you off for Arnold Palmer. And he made some nasty comment, as you would expect. <laughs> and I went, and when we walked in, Doc Giffen said to Arnold, he said, you know, John canceled breakfast with Mike Krzyzewski to be here. And Palmer looks at me and goes, Mike, ka 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 who? And I said, oh, oh no. he's the basketball coach at Duke. And he said, oh, Duke. That's the school whose butt we've been kicking every time we played in the last four years. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Hey, Absolute John, setup. John, while we're on the topic of books, uh, your new book, Quarterback, which we talked a little bit about on the last broadcast, you were up in New York today on the morning show with Joe Scarborough and Mika. Tell us a little bit about that and uh, what it was like. Well, first of all, uh, Joe and Mika weren't there. They're on their honeymoon. They're on their honeymoon. That's true. Mm -hmm. They're on their honeymoon. So I, w I was with four other people, including Mike Barnacle and my old pal from Sports Reporters, Mike Lupica. It was kind of fun mm -hmm. to be sitting on a television set with Mike again. And we, we did what they call a post-tape. So when the show was over at 9 a.m., I went in. We taped a long segment that should air tomorrow morning uh, at 8.50 on Wednesday morning. Uh, we're talking here on Tuesday. Uh, so Wednesday morning, 8.50, the segment should air. And it was really good. They asked really smart questions. It was about a 10-minute segment, which, as you guys know, for television it's is long really time. long. Yeah. Um, and uh, they, they said nice things about the book. One of the great things about doing that show um, is that usually the people you're on with have read the book, and th therefore they ask better questions. And uh, it, so it was, it, it was worth the trip. And I got to eat at John's Pizza last night, which is the best pizza in the entire world. Oh, man. Where is that? It, well, there's two locations, Ryan. Not that I'm not that I'm trying to get them to be a sponsor. <laughs> I love uh, pizza. The original is on Bleecker Street. Cause Bleecker the Street. Called I know where it John's is. John's Bleecker Street. Yeah. But there's now one in the theater district at 44th Street, right off of 8th Avenue, right next to Sardi's. So if you're ever oh, in New York, I know theater, exactly where that is. Yeah. You want to go there? It's the best pizza in the world. And I went with my old pal. Jim Cantaloupe, who was the captain of the Army team I wrote about in mm -hmm. the Civil War in 1995. So it was a good trip. And what about your breakfast with Konchowski? Did, did, you, did you have that or no? No. You know what, um, Ryan, a good friend of Tom's is apparently dying. He, he's, Tom was telling oh. me last night that they're taking him off life support oh, man. today. I'm sorry so to hear that. So Tom couldn't make breakfast, which was, I mean, it's unfortunate I didn't get to see him. And obviously for a very unfortunate Mm -hmm. uh, a reason and people who aren't basketball people don't know Tom Kinchowski, but he was he's the greatest and most honest basketball scout I think who ever lived 
He is so old-fashioned, he does not have a computer, mm -hmm. a cell phone, call waiting on his home phone. Um, he travels only by bus or subway. Uh, he will fly to summer camps, uh, but he's, he's straight out of another era, and he was once referred to by a friend of mine. I was walking, Seth Davis from Sports Illustrated, and I were walking into a, a summer camp uh, in Teaneck, New Jersey. I'm sure you were there, Ryan, at times. Oh, yeah. At Charlie Dickinson. ABC and we saw Tom and Seth said, there's the only honest man in this gym. Wow. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, sorry, sorry to hear good about description, Tom's isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Hey, hey John, uh, the, the last game, UMBC in American, was really a, a great basketball game, 73-69. You've covered uh, local D.C. basketball and Baltimore basketball, DMV basketball just in general. You know, we a lot of times just focus on Baltimore, but give us a little bit of the bigger picture, kind of like of mid-Atlantic basketball, uh, you know, American, GW, Georgetown, et cetera. What, what kind of competition, what kind of play is going on in this area right now? Well, as we saw on Saturday, uh, I think American is a vastly improved team uh, from the last couple of years. Uh, the, getting back their center, Mark Gasparini, who missed all of last year, is a big deal. Um, you know, they've got a couple of, of other guys who played limited minutes who are now uh, stepping into bigger roles. But I thought, Ryan, tell me what you think. Hey, I agree, Gary. I thought it was a very good basketball game. But I thought the difference in the end was a junior point guard who has started 67 games yeah. being able to kind of take control of the game, Saeed Nelson, who's not the Patriot League preseason player of the year for nothing. And he's improved his game since last year. Uh, his defense is better. He hit three threes. Yeah. I'm not sure he hit three threes all of last year. Yeah. Um, you know, and I thought that was the, the difference in the game was the experience at the point guard position. Yeah, he, he had an excellent second half. He he uh, he didn't play as well in the first, and I thought our guys, you know, trouble, right. had, yeah, had a lot to do with that. You know, we were playing him a specific way, and uh, and trying to not bait him into shooting threes, but you know, try to keep it, limit his opportunities getting to the basket. And I think we did that. And then in the second half, you know, as all good players will do, they're not just going to play one half and and you know mail it in. Uh, he answered, and an American answered, even when they got down 10. And, uh, you know, I was impressed with their team, not only in that particular game, but in watching, you know, the three previous that they've played so far. Uh, they're going to have a great season, and uh, I'm excited yeah. for Mike and his program. Yeah, they're picked seventh in the Patriot League, and I think I said to you during the broadcast, Gary, they're not going to finish seventh yeah, in the Patriot no. they're, they're better than that. and. I, I think they can finish in the top three in the league. I mean, that league still goes through Bucknell, the way the America East, you know, still goes through Vermont uh, in, in many ways. But uh, I think American can play with, with anybody in that league because Bucknell is not as good as its last couple of teams because they graduated some key seniors. So I think the top of that league's wide open. And in answer to your question, Gary, I think – the biggest difference between Baltimore and Washington is the Baltimore teams will play each other. You know, there, there's no, uh, you know, Maryland and Georgetown who won't play each other. More specifically, Georgetown won't play Maryland. Uh, Georgetown won't play George Washington. I think local rivalries are the best rivalries in sports. I mean, look yeah. at the Big Five in Philly yeah. and how great awesome. that is and how great it's been for so many years. But the coaches in the D.C. area have just, not Baltimore, D.C., have just refused to ever come together. Uh, and say, look, it's best for our programs, it's best for the city, 
Uh, I, you know, for years, I was involved in a charity tournament in Washington, uh, the BB&T Classic, which has now sadly gone away. Yeah. Uh, Gary Williams played in it every year and made it a success by playing good national teams. Georgetown wouldn't play. And then Mark Turgeon decided he didn't want to do it anymore. Then Georgetown came in and played second-level teams only. And the tournament died. And it, and it was a great fundraiser for kids at risk in the Washington area. And sadly, the coaches in the area just didn't care enough to keep it alive. Yeah. Not that I'm bitter or anything. Yeah. No, I, we actually played in that when I was at Virginia Tech. Seth came up and played. I think we played GW That's maybe right. one That's year right. in it. And who did you guys play? I'm trying to remember. Did you play GW? You played GW. Yeah, we played GW and one year, and I think we played Towson maybe another year. I, I can't. No, no, Georgetown played Towson. That's who it was. Georgetown played yeah. Towson, right. But but the year you guys played, and, and Seth is one of my favorite people, but he's <laughs> like all coaches. He's insane. And he came in and he was convinced that, that we were trying to fix the game for GW to win. So he, he, before the game starts, I'm doing the game on television. And all of a sudden, our tournament director, Bob Zerfler, comes over and he says, John, you got to talk to Coach Greenberg. He's losing his mind. And so I went over and I said, Seth, what's wrong? And he said, he said, you put us right in front of the GW band. You know, you put us right there, right in front of the GW band. That's not, we're supposed to have the choice of benches. So I, I went over to Zerflu and I said, Bob, why, why are they in front of the GW band? He said, they're not. They're on the other bench. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, oh, okay. Seth, Seth I've solved the problem. <laughs> hey, John, we actually had another couple of topics to get to, but I think we're going to have to carry that over till next time. Well, it'll give us something to look forward to. Absolutely. John, thank you so much. All right, guys. See, uh, I'll see you all on December 11th. That'll yeah. be a heck of a game again. Yeah, that is true. We're just talking about that. Yeah, have a good road trip, Ryan. All right, thanks, John. Take care. See you guys. All right, that is John Feinstein, our color partner on the UMBC broadcast. Coach, I think that's the final word for today. That's it. Yeah, we appreciate it. Another good, another good episode here. Yeah. So looking forward to next week. Absolutely, and good luck up in Northern Kentucky. And we'll see you back here for a nice little homestand. Thank you. That'll do it for today's show. We'll see you next time right here on the UMBC Ryan Odom Basketball Report.